It seems like the Portland riots are winding down. Things have been calm for several days, and there could be a lot of reasons for this. But I think the main reason is that the feds deputized Oregon State Police. And that means if they arrest someone at one of these violent riots, that person will be charged by the feds. You see, the local DA was not charging many people who got arrested. Well, something else happened that may have brought about some kind of justice. It also came with it some kind of complications. But suffice it to say, Antifa is now facing a cancel culture backlash. Many of these far leftists went out to these riots thinking that they were the good guys and the heroes, and they engaged in acts of violence for which they were arrested. Journalist Andy No was compiling mugshots and information on the arrests of these individuals because the information was public knowledge. And that's typically what reporters do. And while Andy No may have a particular focus on Antifa, mainly because he lives in Portland and the riots have been going on for several months. He's just documenting public information. Well, now we have the story from Willamette Week. Portland protesters say their lives were upended by the postings of their mugshots on a conservative Twitter account. In fact, it may be that one individual lost his job over this. The company claims they lost business and were forced to lay him off, but it had nothing to do with the protests even though they apparently sent a strongly worded letter saying you've hurt this business with your and your violence. We're seeing another backfire, though. Over in Minneapolis, this story is quite hilarious. It's only been a few months since they voted to completely abolish their police. And now the city council is freaking out because crime is skyrocketing. Mind you, they never actually abolished the police, but crime is skyrocketing and their constituents are furious. This game they're playing doesn't work. The far left wants to use cancel culture, but then they freak out and their friends in media defend them when they have to face the consequences. What was it they said? Freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence. Some of these people claim they're getting death threats. Now, that is wrong outright. And even Andy No condemns this. But if people are going to be sending you mean things over the Internet, well, Freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences. And everybody who's been defending defending freedom of speech understands that it doesn't give you a right to be violent. So we got a couple stories to go through. It's not just about Antifa. It's not just about the failures of Minneapolis. But now Josh Hawley's actually proposing a bill to help the police. Yeah, surprise, surprise, the Republicans went the other way on this one. And it seems like regular people like the police and want this. But first, Let's go through what's happening to these Antifa types now that people have learned they're Antifa and they got arrested for violent crimes. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there are many ways you can give. I got a P.O. box if you'd like to send me stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video. If you think what I cover is important, you think I make good points, I rely on word of mouth from viewers like you to help support the growth of my channel because I don't have a big marketing department like the mainstream media. But also don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and let's read the news. From Willamette Week, Portland protesters say their lives were upended by the posting of their mugshots on a conservative Twitter account. What Andy No is doing is legal. The mugshots are public records. Andy No told Willamette Week that it is his duty to report on protesters who have been arrested. Well, Andy actually published the full email response he gave. They don't include it in, in this piece, but let's read what's going on with these Antifa types. They report, 
On August 7th, black activist Regina Gray was tackled by Portland police at a protest and charged with disorderly conduct, resisting arrest and interfering with an officer. That same day, conservative Portland activist Andy No shared Gray's name and mugshot on Twitter. I'm going to stop right there. You see, they've already tried poisoning the well. Conservative activist Andy No's a journalist. What makes him an activist? Is he advocating for policy? Is he going out with a sign? What is Andy No doing that is activism? He's calling out crime, but these are crimes. They're already on the books. He's not calling for new laws. You see, what happens is after these Antifa people face some comeuppance, they actually, uh, you know, some justice, they get arrested and their information gets released. Their friends in media run to their defense. Let's read more. Quote, Gray 30 is charged with interfering with an officer, resisting arrest and more. No wrote on Twitter. She was arrested at the violent Antifa protest in Portland and quickly bailed out. Gray is frequently photographed with kids at protests and rants about white terrorism. The photo was retweeted by 475 people. Twelve nights later, on August 19th, a man showed up on the doorstep of Gray's mother's east side home. He was sweaty and nervous looking, and he asked for Regina by name, says Lucinda Fisher, Gray's mom. He mentioned Gray's son, and I noticed he had a gun in his hand. Fisher slammed the door and called the police. Well, then what happened? Did the guy just leave? Gray's children, nine and four, whom she brought to protests with her prior to arrest, fear for her life. She was bringing her children to riots. There's tear gas everywhere. Sure. okay. quote, they're scared that someone's going to kill me, Gray says. My first instinct is to say, no, that's not going to happen. But there's a huge risk. Now, here's the important part of the story. Gray has no direct evidence that knows robust social media presence is the reason an armed man arrived at her mom's house. Really? Then why did they bring it up? We don't know why this guy showed up. We don't know what the motivation was. And maybe she just owed him money. But you see the game they're trying to play. Now, I think it's it's obvious many of these people are probably getting some kind of messages and people, you know, from people online that are disparaging them. Well, that's free speech. Now, I absolutely condemn a guy showing up. I don't, if, if this guy really showed up because he saw someone get arrested online, this is nuts. Don't do that. Nobody should do that. And I hope they called the police and I encourage them to do so. That's what police are for. I'm glad to see that her, her mother did call the police. Seemingly, uh, her mom doesn't share the same sentiments about defunding the police and attacking cops as, that, that her daughter does. And hopefully the police came to help her. They go on to say No's prominence has been catapulted by Portland's protest. He is editor at large at the Canadian conservative website called The Post Millennial and is also a regular guest on Fox News. Last year, he was assaulted at a Portland anti-fascist march where masked assailants punched and kicked him in the head. Noah's more than 700,000 followers on Twitter, many of whom share the belief that Portland protesters are a threat to national security. But Gray believes Noah and his followers are watching her, and she is not the only one. Willamette Week has spoken with two others who have been arrested at Portland protest and had their names and mugshots tweeted by No, and claim their lives have since been disrupted. Quote, we've been lying low, and to be honest, We've been staying at home with the blinds closed, says Philip Wenzel, whose mugshot was shared by no on August 15th. I can't get over Twitter trolls. I'm sorry. I can get over Twitter trolls. But what gives me the most pause is the 1% of them that have genuine threats. Maybe you now know how many other Trump supporters felt when you guys were doing the exact same thing. It's a two way street here. Critics call no's post doxing or posting personal information to make their lives unpleasant. But what No is doing is legal. 
The mugshots are public record. The arrests happened. And no told Willamette Week that it is his duty to report on protesters who have been arrested, given the risk that violence and riots present to the public. And also, it's kind of silly to assume everybody's getting their information from Twitter. Yeah, he's got a lot of followers, but most people, the overwhelming, like 80% of Americans are not on Twitter. Could it be the guy showed up to this woman's house because he saw her in a police database? Probably more, substantially more likely. No wrote, quote, I believe my duty as a journalist includes informing the public about individuals who are believed to be, who are believed by criminal authorities to be sufficiently dangerous to the public that they meet the standard for arrest. Portland couple Aaron and Philip Wenzel started their evening Friday, August 14th, as they have more than 10 times before that. Sounds like they have evidence these individuals partook in multiple riots, but sure. They donned their protest outfits, full gas respirators, masks, bike helmets, bulletproof vests for Philip, who has been in front of the protest as part of the drumline. Aaron, a medic, toting a first aid kit, usually settled in a few rows behind the lines of drummers. These people are LARPing. They are playing a stupid game. Oh, let's go play the game and I'm going to I'm going to be the medic and you be the drum drumming man. They're just LARPing. Well, that night, Philip was arrested when the two of them were sandwiched between two lines of officers during a smoke filled chaotic confrontation captured on video that shows several protesters cowering under yellow shields as cop pushed them to the ground. Notice the framing from this article. A video of Wenzel's interaction with police shows him shielding his face on the ground as a half dozen cops tackle him. He was arrested, charged with assaulting a police officer, resisting arrest, interfering with police and disorderly conduct and released the next day. The next morning, No posted his mugshot on his Twitter account, writing that Wenzel was arrested at the violent Antifa protest. No also posted a biography of Wenzel from the law firm where he works as a paralegal. In uh, In Twitter responses to the thread, users added threatening comments and more personal information about the Wenzels, including the names and ages of members of his, of his extended family. The Wenzels quickly deactivated all of their social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The next day, Philip Wenzel received a voicemail threat on his cell phone from somebody named John in Michigan, who said, I'll have you know I'm seven foot and 280 pounds. The Wenzels alerted their employers. On August 18th, three days after No posted the mugshot, Philip Wenzel's boss at Elizabeth Christie Law Firm sent him a letter that the firm had received 50 threatening or harassing communications since his arrest. And here's what she said to him. Because you have chosen to engage in activism that has resulted in violence, physical injuries, and negative publicity for the law firm, there is now a major distraction from the business we are doing, a threat to my ability to gain new business, and a threat to our employees' safety, Christie wrote in an email provided to Willamette Weekly. Three employees, after learning of the firm's response to Wenzel's arrest, announced their resignation in support of him on September 10th in a letter shared with Willamette Week. The firm told Wenzel in a September 11th letter that he would be laid off effective September 16th, citing a loss of work leading to a reduction in staff. Elizabeth Christie, managing attorney at the firm, told Willamette Week in an email that the layoff had nothing to do with Wenzel's protesting. Both Wenzels say they now suffer from anxiety. Wenzel shaved his beard to change his appearance and now wears a hat when he walks his dog. Well, surprise, surprise. Andy No actually document or actually has a video of one of these guys getting arrested. Uh, I'm sorry, of Philip Wenzel getting arrested. And in the video, it appears to be this man. And he tries stealing a baton from police as he resists arrest and several officers try to arrest him. They're showing up for riots. And because the police and the DA, I'm sorry, not, not, not the police, but, uh, but because the district attorney was not doing his job and charging these people. 
even though their crimes were on camera. They kept getting released. If it was not for Andy No, there would be nothing, nothing stopping any of these people from just continuing on and going nuts. But what we're seeing is what uh, the left referred to as consequences. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequence. Now, of course, these people aren't engaging in speech. They're engaging in overt violence and fighting with police. But from their perspective, they're just protesting peacefully, right? That's what the mainstream media would say. Okay. In that regard, then I, I throw it back in your face. People have your photos, your videos, your arrest records are public knowledge. And now you're going to complain you're losing your job over this. Now, listen, they said the layoff had nothing to do with Wenzel's protesting. Sure. They just don't want a violent riot showing up to their office and smashing their windows. We can already see from the email they lost business because of him. And then he got laid off because they lost business. You see how that works? He got he got fired for rioting. Cancel culture is coming for them all the same. Regular people don't want to play these stupid games. They want to be left alone. But so long as the media keeps defending these people, then many businesses will just stay out of it. Fortunately, there are journalists like Andy No who will report on this and then other people who don't want to be involved will have to, it'll, it'll bring about balance. If you only have mainstream media saying these are peaceful protests and the right is bad, then only the right will be getting canceled. But with journalists like Andy No publishing information, talking about who these people are and what they did, then people call their employers and out goes both directions. Andy No published an email in response to the, to the uh, piece. He said, Portland paper Willamette Week is publishing a story about riot arrestees who are upset I post public records. This is my full email response to the reporter. He made a really good point. He said basically that he says, I feel that if transparency and the public right to know, uh, if you feel that transparency and public right to know should be outweighed by arrestee rights to privacy, this is a complaint for the legislature, not for a journalist reporting in compliance with state and federal law. He says a better question would be, why do some journalists feel compelled to hide the identities of suspected criminals from the public? Another would be, whose interest does it does the suppression of criminal arrest data serve? A really, really interesting point. Who does it serve? It serves Antifa. And then you see how they frame these stories. They come out in defense of the people arrested for violently rioting. They're on video. The Post Millennial issued a kind of response with a very funny headline. Progressive news outlet complains that Andy knows coverage of violent crime harms violent suspects. Well, I think people are innocent until proven guilty. However, I don't think you just prove guilt through a court of law. I think guilt can be proven if I've seen a video of someone doing something. And sure enough, one of the guys they claim got arrested because he was tackled and cowering is actually resisting cops. He grips the baton and tries and pull, tries to pull it away from them. Well, these people are all getting comeuppance now because journalists aren't just on the left. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be that way, but it mostly is. But so long as we have journalists on the other side calling out Antifa, there may actually be some social pressure to bring everything back to normal. And this is why the story is so important, in my opinion. These individuals shut down their social media accounts. They're staying at home. They have anxiety. They close their blinds. Well, they were committing crimes. They were arrested for committing crimes. These aren't games. These, these people are doing what's called live action role play, LARPing. They're going out and they're pretending to engage in La Revolution because they're bored, I guess. I don't know what their motivations are. Maybe they're really just deluded. Well, they're going out, they're hurting people, and they're causing problems. They're helping Donald Trump win. And now they're getting called out. 
And now they're not so sure they want to go out anymore. Of course, many of them are claiming they're getting death threats and that Andy No is supplying lists to far right. No, he's not. He's just tweeting. But many of these people should not feel that they have a right to do this. Look, in society, the reason people do or don't do things isn't always because they feel the cops are going to arrest them. Sometimes it's because they are concerned other people, their neighbors will not appreciate what they do. But when they can put on a mask and go out and do whatever they want, no one will ever say anything. They'll keep doing it. Well, now Andy No, a member of their community in, the, in terms of Portland, has revealed their information. I, I shouldn't say revealed, but uh, uh, published information about them from, open, from, from public sources, telling people who they are and what they're doing. It's what journalists should do. Hold people to account. Now they don't want to write anymore because it's going to be bad for them because they're violent and dangerous and regular people will stand up to that now that they know who they are. So let's jump over to Minneapolis where I want to talk about the results of defund the police and the results of these rioters. You see, the problem I see as uh, coming off of what I just explained is that the media just blindly follows the far left, even if it means off a cliff. We don't want our society to favor the far right, and we don't want to favor the far left. But I believe it was Jordan Peterson who said that we know when the far right goes too far. We know when the right goes too far. and Now it's far right. We got to say, hey, put a stop to that. We don't seem to know when the far left goes too far. So what we end up seeing are riots for 106 or so days in Portland, finally now slowing down. And we see cities blindly deciding to abolish their police, like Minneapolis. From NPR News, with violent crime on the rise in Minneapolis, city council asks, where are the police? (laughs) Well, maybe you got rid of them. Maybe that's where they are. Well, they didn't actually get to vote. Uh, I believe they did vote to abolish, but I don't think anything actually happened yet because, well, they can't actually figure out how to do it. And well, now crime is on the rise and people who live there are furious. MPR reports the meeting was slated as a Minneapolis City Council study session on police reform. But for much of the two hour meeting, council members told police chief Medaria Aradondo that their constituents are seeing and hearing street racing, which sometimes results in crashes, brazen daylight carjackings, robberies, assaults, and shootings. And they asked Arredondo what the department is doing about it. Residents are asking, where are the police? Said Jamal Osman, newly elected council member of Ward 6. He said he's already been inundated with complaints from residents that uh, calls for police aren't being answered. Quote, that is the only public safety option they have at the moment. MPD. They rely on MPD. And they are saying they are nowhere to be seen, Osmond said. Well, that's funny. From Real Clear Politics, June 8th, Minneapolis City Council president on dismantling police. Wanting to call the police comes from a place of privilege, white privilege, probably. So City Council President Lisa Bender in Minneapolis told CNN's Brooke Baldwin that wanting to call the police after your home is broken into comes from a place of privilege. Well, now they're calling in the council complaining because the cops aren't showing up. There's two potentials here. One, crime is skyrocketing and cops are unable. Actually, there's a a couple of scenarios. Cops are unable to deal with all of the skyrocketing crime. Another potential is a blue flu type situation where the cops are are defiant. You want to abolish the police, insult us, demonize us and arrest several officers doing their job. We're not going to help you anymore. And so they won't answer calls. But there's another situation, and it's that 
the cops are scared to answer the calls. I know, I know. Maybe you're saying, oh, the cops aren't scared. No, hold on. Yeah, I think the cops might be scared. Why? Well, in the in the George Floyd case, the defense, I think for uh, for the officers, I don't, I don't know for all of them, but someone put up a, a photo from the Minneapolis Police Department training manual showing someone kneeling on someone's neck. Now, I don't think that's a good thing. I still think it's bad. But these people were told to do it, and now they're going to be arrested. They've been arrested, and they're being charged. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying if you're a cop, and they tell you do this, you see a cop do this and get arrested, you're like, I don't know what I can do anymore, so I'm not going to do it. So when someone says we got to call for a domestic, no way, dude, I'm not coming to that. You nuts. I'll go to jail. They'll arrest me. So the cops aren't responding. This is congratulations. You reap what you've sown. As always, the greater point of this segment is media criticism. When the media does not call out the Antifa people, when they shield their identity, who are they serving? They're serving the extremists who are going out and playing stupid games because they're morons. And they're like, it's fun. We're playing. But that that turns into actual policy. And then you see Minneapolis say, we're going to abolish the police. I kid you not. And they say it's privilege. Oh, you want police to come and help you? That's privilege. And now the poor people are suffering. Didn't we all predict this? You see, the media didn't report on the on the important things the police do. The media doesn't report when a cop gets shot. I mean, they did, uh, local outlets do. Did you see the video from Tulsa? The two officers are trying to remove a guy. They did everything right. 40 lawful orders. Get out of your vehicle. The guy apparently had he had he had a gun hid under his seat. Probably why he didn't want to get out of his car. The body camera footage is, is haunting and nightmarish because this guy, you know, he, he shot these cops. And where's the national outrage? Where's CNN, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, ABC? Where's, where's the big headline story? Shock to the nation. I mean, it was George Floyd was everywhere. You see, when the media favors the left, then, then the politicians just say, you got it, whether or not anyone actually wants these things. And the people of Minneapolis don't want this. They want the cops back. And now people are calling angry. Just months after leading an effort that would have defunded the police department, city council members at Tuesday's work session pushed Chief Madaria Arredondo to tell them how the department is responding to the violence. You know what I'd say if I, if I was a chief? I'd say, I'm not. We're, we're expediting your plans to defund and dismantle. Abolish the police. Don't worry. We got you. Police are gone. You don't want us. We won't stick around. The media is what's creating all of this. And when you see journalists like Andy No actually calling out Antifa, surprise, surprise, all of a sudden they're worried. Oh, no, we better not riot anymore. You shouldn't have rioted in the first place. And now they're not going to. Now they're realizing freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence. It's a stupid saying. Everybody knows that. If, if you went outside and yelled, you know, something, people would be alerted to that thing. If you went outside and were like, bees, bees, oh, no, killer bees are everywhere then people would have some kind of reaction. There would be a consequence to that. I think people realize that any action has a consequence, but rioting has consequences, and it is not your right to riot. But for how long did we see the mainstream media saying peaceful protests, peaceful, 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 and they were anything but peaceful. They were violent riots. So I'll tell you what, this is why independent media is so important. I hope the people of Minneapolis get their police. But I'm not entirely convinced they will. 
Here's let, let, let me uh, uh, read the last little bit of this story. Despite the uptick of crime in this in his ward, Cunningham, who supports the creation of a new community safety agency to replace the police department, said it's particularly important now to start instituting some of those public health based approaches to violence prevention. Recently, the council took more than one million dollars from the police budget to hire violence interrupters to intervene and defuse potentially violent confrontations. If we have these systems in place, we are getting ahead of the violence. That's why I have advocated so strongly for the violence interrupters, because if they are interrupting the violence before the guns are being fired, then the MPD doesn't have to respond to that violence. Seriously? Did you watch the video of the cops trying to pull the guy from his car? They, they, they ordered him out 40 times and he wouldn't listen. They, they, these people have no idea what the police do. They really, really have no idea. And it's supposed to be the, the journalist's job to inform people about what's going on. But they're not doing that either. And so people have no clue. Now, there is one outlet that did a really great job. They took a police, an anti-police brutality activist and put him through a use of force training scenario where he failed completely. In one scenario, a guy was casing a car and then he was talking to him and the guy tagged him. So they were using, you know, like mock guns. And he was like, you, it was that fast. It was a split second. In the next scenario, there's two guys having an argument and he approaches and the one guy starts walking towards him saying, what's your problem? And then he tags the guy. So again, it's, it's like a mock shooting. So essentially it's, a, it's an analog to shooting the guy. He'd, and then he said, I didn't realize compliance is really important. Yeah. Violence interrupters. What do you think the violence interrupters are going to get killed? The violence interrupter is going to show up and they're going to get shot. These people have no idea what police do. And I'm for police reform, but this is childish. So the Antifa people, they need to realize comeuppance is coming their way. It's not just going to be them in Portland. It's going to be people everywhere. Andy No doesn't just cover Portland. He covers all of these riots. And there are many others doing the same. It's only a matter of time before people get sick and tired of your violent riots. They find out who you are and they call your employer. I don't like cancel culture. I think it's, it's horrifying. But it's the world we live in now. and We need to do something about it to, to change it. But it's happening. You know what I don't like? If somebody's speaking, they'll try and get you fired. That's disproportionate. Okay, you speak something, you tell someone, don't say it again. But you go out and violently write, you get arrested. Okay, that's a little different. But I guess we can only wait and see what comes next. As per usual, the people of Minneapolis are now going to be suffering under the failed policies of their city council. And because the city council just believed everything they heard on the Internet. And these Antifa types are now going to recognize you can't go out and riot because people, well, you'll lose your job. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I couldn't have predicted it more perfectly. I said several times, I warned, they will come to your house, the angry mob, and they will make demands, and the police will have to decide how to stop the unrest in the street. And do you know what the police will do? The police will arrest you. They will not arrest the mob. They will say, oh, there's a First Amendment right, I guess. And what? If they arrest one person, more show up now. It's easier just to arrest the homeowner. And that's exactly what happened. This story from the post-millennial Milwaukee man mobbed by Black Lives Matter activists arrested for trying to defend his home. Now, at first, when I saw this story, I thought we're dancing on the line here. You know why? The guy got arrested for brandishing a shotgun. He holds it up, he pumps it, and then he points it through the window. I think the window is closed, but he's pointing it at him through the window. Well, that's apparently 
why he got arrested. We don't know for sure why he got arrested, but many people believe that's the reason. Now, based on that alone, you might be saying, oh, well, I mean, the people were just in the street with bullhorns and lights and he pointed a shotgun at him. I mean, now he's brandishing a weapon. Well, as it turns out, many of these same activists and one of the most prominent, who, a, a man whose name we know, had also gone and staged a mob event outside another house a couple of months ago where they burned that house to the ground for no reason. OK, it wasn't burned to the ground. It was it was torched. The whole, the whole fire engulfed the building. It didn't completely collapse. I got to make sure I'm being very specific because, you know, the media will like to twist things. But yes, one particular activist has been going around leading many of these groups uh, of these of these protests of many, many of uh, much of this unrest. One of the houses they went to, there were apparently two young girls who were missing. That's right. Two young girls missing and the community got outraged. Someone reported seeing them in one particular neighborhood and the police went around, couldn't find anything and said it wasn't these girls weren't critically missing because it's only been a few hours. So apparently this guy shows up and starts live streaming. They find one house and start demanding the people inside, you know, release the girls or whatever. The girls weren't there. So they burned the house down. They, 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 they set the house on fire. I'll put it that way. Just be more specific. Turns out the girls weren't even missing. They were just out like playing at a friend's house. So this mob then shows up to this guy's house. Got a tr- he's got a Trump flag on his porch and they are calling him racist. They say he harasses the neighborhood. Yeah, that may be true. There's a video there circulating where the guy is yelling or somebody is yelling racist things. I don't know who the guy is. I have no idea if it's the same guy. And even if it is, what makes you think you have a right to go around yelling obscenities and flashing lights in their homes, but he has no right to do the same thing. They show up to his house, the same mob that had burned, or I shouldn't say the same, but in a similar fashion with many of the same people to a mob that had set a house on fire. And this guy shows them he's got a weapon. He gets arrested. They will come to your house just like this. The cops will arrest you if you try to defend it. It's not the first time. It won't be the last. And it's not the last time I'm going to make a video about it. Let me read, th- read, read, uh, read through these stories and show you exactly uh, what's going on. This is a story from Post Millennial. Milwaukee man mobbed by BLM activists arrested for trying to defend his home. Libby Emmons for the Post Millennial writes, activists in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, staged a protest at a neighbor's home on Monday, alleging that he was racist. Police were called when the man could be seen holding a gun and then he was arrested. The story was reported on Twitter by Kitty Shackelford. I don't know who Kitty Shackelford is, <laughs> but uh, apparently this Twitter user, Kitty Shackelford, just found the live stream on Facebook and started uploading clips. Now, I also think it's kind of funny that uh, Black Lives Matter activists will call the police on you. Now, they want to defund the police. I mean, that's a that's a big uh, a big call to action. They have one of their mission statements. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it comes to the police arresting you and giving them what they want, they cheer for this. And they did. So they don't want to defund the police. They just want to be the police. And now the mob has gone to a man's home, a Trump supporter, and he's been arrested. As the crowd watches, laughs and sings, you're about to go to jail. An officer enters the man home and seconds later escorts him out in handcuffs. The crowd goes exuberantly wild with applause and cheers. You're about to go to jail, a voice calls out over a megaphone, while other activists scream, F you, Pete, and don't arrest me, arrest Pistol Pete. Why did the cops arrest this man? What evidence did they have that he actually did anything that was claimed against them? Is it in Wisconsin? I actually should have, should have looked this up. I don't know for sure. Is it a, 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 a do you have the right to stand your ground or defend your property? 
What did he do that warranted his immediate arrest by cops who did not stage any kind of investigation? I have warned all of you as well that the police with a smile on their face will enforce unconstitutional edict. They're going to come out and they're going to say, governor says so. In this instance, it's not edict. In this instance, it's them saying it's easier to arrest you than deal with an angry mob. And that's what will happen when they come to your house. Kitty Shackelford tweeted, I'm still trying to figure out who, whose house this is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, seems to be outside the house of, of uh, outside the house who BLM is saying pointed a gun at them. The title of the video is We Still Lit. This goes out to all the racist neighbors. So I assume it's just a local racist. In fact, that is the case. It was a uh, case. It was a local racist. And they said they were going to go to his house. Kitty tweeted BLM group, including children pouring out of someone's property that they seem to be harassing after he was arrested by police. They're calling him probation Pete and are celebrating his arrest. Now, I wonder why it is if this man decided to point this weapon. Could it be like I mentioned earlier that these individuals, uh, many of the same ones had been in front of a house that was set on fire? And he was worried they would try to set his home on fire and they were shining lights and screaming and playing music in the street. Maybe that's the reason. Or maybe it's because Milwaukee activist Vaughn Mays was arrested on allegations of burglary as party to a crime. This, of course, is the man who posted on Facebook, pull up at 530 today. This neighbor thinks it's cool to harass black neighbors, calling them the N word, parade Confederate flags around. Since he loves going to other folks houses and throwing parties they ain't asked for, let's show him how it's done. Okay, so a man who was previously arrested on suspicion of burglary, I'm not sure what happened with those charges, posts that he's coming to your home, the same man who had appeared in front of another house that was set on fire. And that guy is out in front of your house with a bunch of other people and they're screaming. Do you have a right at that point to assume the worst and defend yourself? Perhaps we're still on the line or perhaps we're over it. I think considering this is a community Okay, many people on the outside won't understand that this guy in this house, he probably knows who this dude Vaughn Mays is. The dude Vaughn Mays has been arrested before. This dude Vaughn Mays live streams these events, and he probably said, That's the dude who got arrested for suspicion of burglary. I'm not saying the guy's guilty of burglary, but this guy might see that and say, This is the guy. This is the guy who went and live streamed and got a bunch of people to show up to this house and then set it on fire. Maybe that's what he was scared of. Doesn't matter. The cops arrested him. And then the craziest thing is you got a guy who was arrested on allegations of burglary. Vaughn Mays, in, 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 this is his name, in Milwaukee. And they arrest the guy, take him from his home and leave those people out in front of his house. It is only a matter of time before someone throws a brick and then someone kicks the door in and then they would have just ransacked the house. You see, like I said, it all happens in increments. And right now we're at the arrest the homeowner phase. I kid you not. The mob showed up to his house and they arrested him. Get away from cities, man. Get as far away from cities as possible. Make sure you're in a community that's, uh, uh, that you trust with people you know. Know your neighbors. Talk to your neighbors. Because when the mob comes for you, the police will arrest you. Welcome to morality policing. I said this would happen over and over again. Here we are. I remember when they went to Ted Wheeler's house, smashed up all the windows on the first floor of the condo building and threw flaming debris into it. And I said, you see what it's, it's mob mentality. It's one person does one thing. And before you know it, there's an avalanche and the snowflake doesn't blame itself for the avalanche. Let's go back and see what's going on. At the post millennial Kitty Shackelford tweeted 
This is what was going on outside the house before he pulled a gun on them. They went specifically to his house to protest him for being a racist. The homeowner was arrested and the crowd remains outside. They seem to have gone on his property, WTF Milwaukee. Should this guy be a racist? In my opinion, no. Can he be a racist? Yes, that's America. I don't like racists. And if this guy really was going around doing those things, I'm not a fan. But guess what? They're probably lying. You know, when they went to this house and set it ablaze, there were no missing girls inside. So I'll tell you what happens. This is why mob mentality is dangerous. This is why the police need to come out immediately and shut down the mob. Because one guy will be like, yo, that dude's a racist. And everyone will go, rabble, rabble, rabble. And they'll throw bricks and start fires. And they have no idea what's going on. When uh, Luke Rudkowski, you might know him from We Are Change, was in uh, Hamburg, Germany for the G20, he was walking down the street with a journalist who was German. And someone yelled Nazi Schweinhund or some, whatever, Nazi pig. A bunch of random people ran up and started punching him in the face, in the head, kicking him. And why? They didn't know who he was. Someone just yelled it. That's mob mentality. So how do I know this guy did anything wrong? I doubt it. And that's probably why this guy was showing that he had a weapon. If you come into my house, I will defend myself. If you try to hurt me and or damage my property, I will protect myself and my property. I think it's really funny when the when look at this house is burned. Okay, they say the chaotic saga unfolded. You know, the girls were missing. They weren't really missing. They uh, they actually weren't missing at all. And so here's what happens. They say, actually, let let me let me jump to the point where we can find our friend uh, Vaughn Mays. At about 1015 a.m., Vaughn Mays, a highly visible community activist, arrived at the scene shortly after police. Perhaps two dozen people were already there when Mays began an hours long live stream video over Facebook, which soon grabbed the attention of several thousand viewers. In the opening minutes of the video, he addresses the camera and spoke about the difficulty of getting a missing persons report and that community members had set up their own system via social media for listing missing people. He said he went to North 40th Street because a home there had a reputation for housing missing children and he attended to help find them. People feel like the police don't do don't do uh, expletive. So a lot of this expletive is taking our own expletive into our own hands. While police searched the home on North 40th Street, Mays and others walked around the neighborhood knocking on doors in search of the girls. When they returned about 11 a.m., police had left the scene and the crowd had grown larger. It's happened before. The police show up. They leave because they can't do anything. The mob then starts fire to a house because they just believed something. Without evidence, they didn't care. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know where the girls were. And the girls weren't actually missing. This house is going to come down, May said. I'm telling y'all, it's too many people. Even before the gunshots, Mays repeatedly made remarks about how a potentially chaotic situation was brewing before the gunshots. So could it be that this dude showed up before that these people had Black Lives Matter in the streets and the revolution fist in the streets? There have been gunshots at these events before they had set a house on fire before. And this guy decided to defend himself. Well, he's been arrested. He's been arrested. And these people are planning more. Cassandra Fairbanks for the Gateway Pundit writes, Black Lives Matter bringing protest parties to Trump supporters' homes. Facebook account still active despite repeatedly posting addresses of conservatives. Now, I always say this. I do not like the Gateway Pundit. I do not think they're a good outlet. But Cassandra Fairbanks does do a good job, and I trust her. And she actually shows the posts. She writes, on Tuesday evening, a Trump supporter was arrested for holding a shotgun by the window of his home as it was surrounded by a mob of far left lunatics. As it turns out, it wasn't this group's first time showing up at the home of a random person to protest and intimidate. 
On a Facebook page called Justice Tour 2020, Vaughn L. Mays, a man who describes himself as Milwaukee's Malcolm X, has been posting personal information on Trump supporters. The page is littered with people's phone numbers, addresses, and calls for crowds to show up at their homes for protest parties. They're going to come to your house for no reason other than accuse you than they accuse you of being a racist. That's it. And you might not even be a Trump supporter. Wake up. Share this video. Let people know it's happening. Because you probably got one or two fence sitter friends or, uh, you know, liberal friends who are like, I don't know, I'll be fine. As long as I keep my head down, the mob won't come for me. I can't believe how many people say that. How many people said they won't speak up because they just want to be safe. Death comes knocking door to door and you think he'll pass over your house. Yeah, as people take red paint and write Black Lives Matter above their doors in a desperate bid to beg them for safety. It won't work. Sometimes it works. Sometimes people put the signs up in their windows, hoping that people spare them. And it doesn't matter. There's a really funny photo of like a Whole Foods with all these signs saying we support Black Lives Matter or whatever. And like, you know, end racism and all the windows are smashed and destroyed. Smaller shops might get a pass. It's so it's it's so hilarious, isn't it? Take the red paint, put it above your door. Isn't that how it works? So we can see Cassandra's posted this Facebook, uh, you can see the Facebook post. Former Milwaukee pol- uh, police chief Alfonso Morales was also targeted by the group who repeatedly held protest parties outside his home. Quote, the protesters say they're bringing the fight against racism to front doors. But Alderman Nikaya Dodd, who represents the 5th District, where Morales lives, says the protests are a nuisance and a threat to public safety that must be addressed immediately. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported in July. Morales was demoted back to a captain in August for using tear gas and pepper spray against rioters. They're going to come to your house. They believe they have the right, and they believe they have the right to attack police. Take a look at this from bostonreview.net. I don't know what this, this source is. I don't know what Boston Review is, but apparently they make reference to Vaughn Elmays, the guy who calls himself Milwaukee's Malcolm X, the guy who's going to people's homes, the guy who has been arrested on allegations of burglary in the past. It's going around to people's homes. And here's what he said. In this article, they say, thus, Vaughn L. Mays, a respected community activist in Milwaukee, immediately responded to, to Floyd's killing with a call for law, policy, and legislation to allow for legal defense against unlawful arrest, saying, quote, I think you should be able to defend yourself against abusive police. For instance, if a cop violates my rights and is violent with me, I have a right to defend myself. Here, Mays harkens back to the not violence philosophy of Milwaukee's NAACP commandos. Given the fact that police violence in black communities is routine and sometimes exceptionally brutal, we must not criminalize the acts of self-preservation and community defense through which people and activists try to defend themselves. What he's saying is he believes they have a right to resist arrest if they feel the cops are doing something wrong. But whoever thinks they deserve to be arrested how many, how, many t- how many people do you say like, ah, you got me, officer. That's <laughs> committing a crime. Put her there. I'll put my hands behind my back. Some people do. And sometimes the cops still get aggressive with people. And often the cops will say it is a lawful order to exit your vehicle. And the guy's going to say no. And then they're going to say, I have a right to defend myself against you. No, police need to be able to make arrests. Sometimes they make unlawful arrests. We need reform and better ways to deal with unlawful arrest. Body cameras help. And having them always on and penalizing cops who don't use them for stops. We also have to recognize body cameras help cops, the good cops. 
And I've talked to a lot of police who say that good cops like body cameras because it protects them. And I don't know if you saw the video that came out of Tulsa, this horrifying video. We would not have known what happened to these officers were it not for their body cameras. Body cameras protect the officers. And, and that's why bad cops don't want them. I've heard over and over again, cops saying, oh, no, we can't have that. I don't care. There are good cops out there who want to be protected. They want people filming. I've seen there, there's videos where one cop is like, let me help you film as a guy was being detained because they know there's a lot of scrutiny on what they do and they want to show the world they've done the right thing. Of course, maybe there are some complications with body cameras. One of the best arguments against them is that police can selectively turn them off, use it when it protects them and then say, Oop, it mal- oops, it malfunctioned. Whatever. Don't care. Body cameras, I think, will help. I don't know if it's the, it's the end all be all solution. And I'm sure there's a lot we got to work out before we just say body cameras are the answer. But fighting with cops, that's this guy's solution. So listen, this guy will say he has a right to defend himself. Okay. What about this guy in Milwaukee? Did, uh, did he have a right to defend himself against the police? The police went to his home and he got arrested. We assume he got arrested. It could have been, he could have been detained. Apparently, the Milwaukee police didn't issue a statement. Either way, the cops came and took him away. Should he have fought the cops? They were coming into his house. He didn't do anything wrong. The mob were the, were the, were the oppressors. According to Vaughn L. Mays, apparently he should have a right to do that. They say the confrontation came, uh, uh, came to a head when activists, post millennial again, called the man out directly. Lights are shown on his home, which dons an American flag and an all aboard the Trump train sign. The activists turn their attention to the home. The music no longer plays. And activists address the man with their full voices or with use of a megaphone. Everybody believes the babies, a voice says. The man can be seen inside holding his gun as activists call him out by name. So they claim this guy was a, is a racist. They claim he parades around with Confederate flags. There's no Confederate flag on his property. And imagine if the guy was going to go march around with Confederate flags, he'd have one. No, he has a Trump flag and an American flag. That's all it took. You're going to sit around and wait because they're not doing anything about it. The police just came and arrested him. I would like to know where the DOJ is right now. I know, I know in, in, in Missouri, the governor said that he will pardon the McCloskeys. It's a similar situation. They did ultimately get arrested, not immediately, and their guns were seized. and They're facing felony charges for defending their property. Here, here we go again. Will Milwaukee, will the governor defend this guy? I doubt it. Pretty sure the dude's a Democrat. Could be wrong. I doubt it. So we need the feds to start coming in and cleaning up. I'll tell you something. If these cops came and arrested the homeowner and they knew what they were doing, those are corrupt cops. They're corrupt. Police officers are supposed to be defending our constitutional rights. If you are in your home, on your property, minding your own business, and you have a gun, you have a second Second Amendment right to bear arms. Why would they go in and arrest this man? Sure, I get it. Brandishing is illegal. But these cops who would allow this mob to, to harass, I mean, it's harassment. It's outright harassment. Charge these people with harassment. The cops would go in and arrest the guy. You're not going to enjoy police who don't believe in the Constitution. If we come to a point in society where the cops just say whatever the mob says is go, then you're not going to have rights anymore. No one will. The mob will just tear everything apart and get whatever they want. Spineless police, corrupt police. I truly believe this is corruption. I'm not saying specifically what the cops, these individual cops, I don't know the full circumstances. What I'm saying is any cop who would enforce unconstitutional orders, knowing they're doing it or not even caring, that's corruption. 
Now, of course, I hear from all these people saying the cops got to follow orders. They don't know exactly why they're doing what they're doing. Well, maybe they should. Maybe they should brief people on everything. Here's what we know. This is what happened. The mob showed up. Here's a guy. And the cop can say, you want us to arrest a guy because he's in his own home and he's got a gun to defend it? I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? Right now, what do we get? Cops will just walk up and do whatever they're told. And if that means some corrupt governor or mayor says, do it, the cops go, okay. And then you'll end up seeing salon owners getting arrested, gym owners getting arrested. And then what? We just live in a society where the mob can show up and make a demand and the cops will say, okay, I don't want to live like that. These cops got to be held accountable, same as everybody else. The mob wants the police on their side. And guess what? After all is said and done, it's amazing. The cops would just say yes to this. Perhaps there's some other circumstances. Maybe the guy got arrested for something else. You know, it's entirely possible. This guy had a warrant. Maybe uh, the guy earlier in the day was seen punching someone in the face. I have no idea. But as it, as, it, as it appears now, it seems as though it was, you know, he was brandishing a weapon and the cops show up and the people are yelling it. But I want to I wrap this up by being very, very clear. The police have not issued a statement as to why he's arrested. So you need to understand he could have been arrested for a million different things. We just don't know. We, we, we really don't. For all we know, this guy was a wanted criminal and the cops were like, we got a warrant for his arrest. And it was a coincidence. In my opinion, looks like he got arrested for trying to defend his home. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. Tucker Carlson recently had on a doctor, a whistleblower, claiming that China's government intentionally released COVID-19, saying, quote, I worked in the World Health Organization Reference Lab, which is the top coronavirus lab in the world. Their opening paragraph states the Chinese government intentionally manufactured and released the COVID-19 virus that led to mass shutdowns and deaths across the world, a top virologist and whistleblower told Fox News host Tucker Carlson on Tuesday. Carlson specifically asked Dr. Li Mengyan whether she believed the Chinese Communist Party released the virus on purpose. Yes, of course, it's intentionally. She responded on Tucker Carlson tonight. The doctor has since been banned from Twitter. Gone no longer able to speak with around 60,000 followers. Social media has removed this actual doctor from social media. Now, there's probably a lot of people who believe this and believe her. I can't discredit her. I'm not a doctor and I didn't work for the World Health Organization, but I can rain on all of your parades, all individual parades that you're having, apparently. Anyway, look, These claims are said to be unsubstantiated, according to many members of the media. But we have seen many different stories and claims made throughout this year that it was either created in a lab or it leaked from a lab or something to do with some kind of development in a lab. We've even seen mainstream media like The Washington Post had run op eds entertaining the possibility that this did originate in a lab and was leaked. So far, the mainstream narrative that has persisted is that it is not true. So perhaps the best we can do is take this whistleblower at face value and say, well, maybe they're telling the truth. I mean, they worked there. We didn't. And the Chinese Communist Party is not (laughs) not a good group of people. They're running concentration camps. So they have reasons to kind of disrupt everything. They hate Trump. Maybe that's the motive. 
But there are reasons to doubt this story. I, I don't think it's fair to just assume because you have a whistleblower, the story must be true. And I certainly wouldn't trust the Chinese Communist Party without hard evidence. Even a, even someone coming out saying they worked in this lab uh, for me is just not enough. I would just say at this point, I don't know. But let's read these stories. And I, I want to break through the history of what happened with COVID and how we got to this point. Fox News reports, Yan said more evidence would be released, but pointed to her own high ranking position at a World Health Organization reference lab as a reason to trust her allegation. Quote, I worked in the in the World Health Organization reference lab, which is the top coronavirus lab in the world in the University of Hong Kong. And the thing is, I get deeply into such investigation in secret from the early beginning of this outbreak. I had my intelligence because I also get my own unit network in China involved in the hospital. Also, I work with the top coronavirus virologist in the world. So together with my experience, I can tell you this is created in the lab. And also it is spread to the world to make such damage. Jan's comments conflicted with the opinion of Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease and White House coronavirus advisor, who previously cast doubt on the idea the virus was artificially created. In May, he told he told National Geographic, if you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now is very, very strongly leaning toward the virus could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated the way the mutations have naturally evolved. Other scientists have panned the idea that COVID served as a sort of bioweapon or was released by a lab. Fox News previously reported on Yan back in July when she blew the whistle on China's alleged attempts to suppress information about its handling of the virus. With a vast network of contacts in Chinese medical facilities, Yan attempted to gather more information about the virus as China blocked overseas experts from conducting research in this country. Now, we'll stop there. There is a lot of re- there, there are a lot of reasons to believe China is doing something nefarious or dirty. We saw many stories that early on, China knew that there was human human transmission with coronavirus and withheld the information. Then had Chinese individuals, loyalists in other countries start buying up medical gear and shipping it back to China. They knew they were going to face a very serious pandemic and they were stripping resources away from other countries to save themselves. It's self-preservation. I get it. But China's also authoritarian and a bit despotic while well, they're communist. So they're not going to tell the truth about what's going on. And would I put it past a night, a psychotic regime like the Chinese Communist Party who has concentration camps? Would I put it past them to manufacture advice? I would not. But our own scientists are saying it's likely not correct that it was created in a lab simply. Well, that's their expert opinion. I'm not a scientist. And I got to point out, I'm going to go right to it. This woman worked at the University of Hong Kong. Well, I hate to say it, but we're dealing with bias. Do you think China is bad? If you think that I should say the Chinese Communist Party, if you think the Chinese Communist Party is bad, then you're likely going to side with the Hong Kong University worker. As many of you know, China is suppressing the rights of the people of Hong Kong and trying to basically absorb what was once a British colony. The people there enjoy freedoms like, you know, well, they, they did for a while. And now the Chinese Communist Party is moving in and trying to crush that. I'm not here to impugn the honor of this individual, uh, this Dr. Yan. 
I don't know exactly what her loyalties are, but she's coming out against the Communist Party of China, accusing them of a very serious infraction. And I got to say, no evidence. I know, I know the media often says without evidence, but we need documentation, something to back up these claims. Now, it is fair to point out there have been many stories and many other people who have said this likely came from a lab, whether it was intentional or not. That's a bold statement to say it was intentional. Let's read more. They say, Her revelations fueled ongoing complaints the Chinese government failed to tell the world early on about the virus's threat. Specifically, she believes the Chinese government ignored research that could have saved lives. The State Department did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comment. In response, her former employer, the University of Hong Kong, criticized her account. A press release noted that the content of the said news report does not accord with the key facts as we understand them. Quote, specifically, Dr. Yan never conducted any research on human to human transmission of the novel coronavirus at the University of Hong Kong during December 2019 and January 2020. Her central assertion of the said interview. Yan, who said she was one of the first scientists in the world to study the novel coronavirus, fled China and currently fears retaliation. She was allegedly asked by her supervisor at the university slash who reference lab, Dr. Leo Poon in 2019 to look into the odd cluster of SARS-like cases coming out of mainland China at the end of, of December 2019. Now, it's a bold claim to say that it was intentionally made. And I think it downplays another serious issue we have with China that I think might actually be more relevant and more important. They are mass polluters. They have, a, they have this, this thing called gutter oil, where they, people literally pull oil out of like food waste lines and then reboil it and try and serve it to people. And they kind of have garbage and other gunk in it. And there have been historically other diseases that have emerged out of China. So if you were to come to me and, and tell me that there was a wet food market that was filthy, uh, you know, uh, anything but sanitary, I'm going to believe it. If you're going to tell me that the Chinese government engaged in a plot to manufacture a bioweapon that they could release around the world to damage it, I'm going to I got a million more questions. What was their end goal? Why did they do it? How many people were involved? You see how this works out is why I'm not a fan of conspiracy theories. It is possible. It is possible. Now, I will also say, as for all the scientists who have claimed it is unsubstantiated and we disagree, these could not have emerged in nature, things like that. Wouldn't it be the intent of China to bypass any kind of mainstream or normal uh, uh, analysis of where this virus originated from? Like stealth, if they were really going to intentionally create a virus, they wouldn't just make it look perfectly man-made and then release it because people would be like, yo, this thing looks like it was man-made. Wouldn't they want to make it look like a hodgepodge natural evolution, but make it more effective? That's literally what a weapon would do. They wouldn't want you to know they did it. So we can look at a bunch of other things. Either China's lying about their COVID numbers and their deaths that we've seen throughout the year, or they knew what was coming. They did. They prepared for it. Still doesn't mean they manufactured it in a lab. And I got to say, this doctor needs to come out with hard evidence other than I just worked there because... I mean, listen, as much as I would prefer to believe, you know, the Chinese Communist Party is evil and all these things. Ah, well, I'm sorry. I do believe that. But as much as it might be preferable to believe that all the problems be, were, you know, were being uh, hit by come directly from China as an intentional attack on us, it might just be that they're a neg- uh, that, that they're, they, they have negligent sanitation or, you know, health services. And we've seen viruses like this happen before. 
And I think the bigger issue now that we're facing in the US has more to do with the, the Democrats refusal to accept that things are getting a lot better. And, and the major spikes, it's, it's all long since behind us. So we should probably start getting back to business. And many places are. I got to be honest. Wow, well, I kind of like, I don't care about this story. I don't even know I took Carlson's running this woman's statement. I mean, he can do his own thing. It's his show. Well, Twitter suspended her. And I think that's the wrong move. I think me doing a video like this and explaining my doubts, it's the best, it's the best way to actually address this. Because I'll tell you, you might disagree with me. Feel free to comment below. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think open discussion about what she's saying is extremely important. Otherwise, she's going to tell people people are going to hear. And if you ban her, they'll just believe she must be telling the truth. But I think about the bigger conspiracy there. What is it that China is then working with some people in the U.S. government? I mean, hey, I wouldn't be surprised. We for a long time have been selling out our country to Chinese interests, sending our manufacturing overseas. So it could be the case, but I'm not a fan of conspiracies. Okay, you want to you want to come at me with this stuff, then you're going to have to give me evidence. I do think there's another point to be made before we read the Twitter thing, though. When do we take the word of experts uh, as valuable, especially in the field of journalism? I was reading something from NewsGuard. I I, I did talk about this a long time ago. NewsGuard, uh, for those that aren't familiar, is the service I use that rates news agencies on their credibility. They're extremely biased. Wow. Their bias is getting worse and worse every day where they'll like find a conservative website that's got like three bad articles and they'll say the whole thing is bunk. And it's like, dude, that's like three articles. I can go to ABC, NBC, New York Times and find 10 times the amount of articles that are bad misinformation because people make mistakes. But anyway, I digress. They had given a negative rating to what they determined to be a conspiracy theory website. Now, the website was talking about 9-11 and false flag attacks and stuff like that, but they actually cited former U.S. intelligence and they had them on the record, but they still said it was fake news. Why? I, I, I don't understand this. And this is one of the biggest problems in journalism. Right now, we have a virologist, confirmed virologist, straight up saying that they worked in this lab and they know this to be true. Twitter has suspended this individual. Why? How does Twitter know? Did Twitter do an investigation? And why would we determine that this individual's statements are not credible? We can't. We know that they're an actual academic. We know they did this. They're an actual doctor. They worked in this university and they're saying something. What do you do? You see, there are many experts who go on MSNBC and CNN and other other channels and say, Donald Trump works for Russia. Should we ban Peter Strzok now? You know, you know him. He's the guy who was tweeting with Lisa Page about insurance policies against Trump. The, uh, the, the, uh, the lovers Trump tweets. Here's a guy who believes to this day he went out. He went on some interview and said that Donald Trump is compromised by Russia. So get rid of him. You're going to ban him next. Isn't that destabilizing our country? Why is that opinion allowed? Because he's an expert. He worked for the FBI. Therefore, what he says must be true. OK, well, then what about this doctor? If you're going to go ahead and assume that Peter Strzok, as an expert who worked in the FBI, knows what he's talking about and trust him, why would you say this virologist is wrong and ban her and ban conversations around what she's saying? Therein lies the problem. I think there's, there's, there could be some veracity to uh, uh, Strzok's claims. Well, I'll put it this way. There may have been a long time ago, but Mueller didn't find anything. There was no evidence. So he's probably wrong at this point. I mean, because Mueller was looking for it. If we launched 
an intergovernmental, international effort to investigate the origin of coronavirus, went into China and, and, and dug through all the labs and had all of the former officials testify before an intergovernmental panel, then I might believe it when they say she's wrong. But when China blocked our efforts, when they lied, and we've seen several other people make similar claims, then I say, well, we got a whistleblower. Let's hear what they have to say. When we started the Russiagate thing, for instance, I absolutely said "Ah, there might be something there. I actually entertained that. Now I feel kind of dumb, but at the time it was the right move. Let's have an investigation, see what's going on for the good of the country. And the Democrats could never let it go. To this day, after Peter Strzok and his own allies did an investigation, found no evidence, they still believe Trump is owned by Russia. Okay, so ban Peter Strzok, ban him from Twitter. He's an unhinged conspiracy theorist, but they don't. And therein lies the problem. Twitter suspends Chinese virologist who says COVID-19 was made in Wuhan lab. Dr. Li Men Yang, a former researcher at Hong Kong School of Public Health, went dark on the platform after she accused China of covering up evidence that the deadly virus came from a lab in Wuhan. They don't want the people to know this truth. Also, that's why I got suspended. I got suppression and I am the target. I am the target that China Communist Party wants to disappear. She told Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Carlson then responded, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. So I'm going to assume you're not an anti-Chinese racist. So it's not clear why Twitter would shut you down or why you're being ignored by the rest of the U.S. media. Why is she being ignored? Twitter declined to comment to the post on Wednesday. The whistleblower released a paper on Monday on the open access repository website Znote that she says backs up her claims and shows how the virus could be conveniently created in a lab setting in six months. The paper, which was co-authored with two others, claims to note how SARS-CoV-2 shows biological characteristics that are inconsistent with a naturally occurring zoonotic virus. Okay, then. Well, I'll walk back a little bit of what I said earlier on. She's got a paper out. We've got a bunch of other papers from many more doctors saying it was naturally occurring. I don't necessarily, I I think it would be strange that you have all these other scientists secretly working with China. I'm sorry, I just can't buy that. You know, conspiracies happen and China's got their their tendrils and their their interests all over the world. But come on, Dr. Fauci is on Trump's task force. I think it's funny when the media tries to pit Trump and Fauci against each other. I think it's funny that people don't like Fauci and it's like (laughs) he's on Trump's task force. He's been the whole time. I still can't believe COVID is an issue, but that's what the, the reason why this is so important is that Joe Biden's strategy right now against Trump is coronavirus response. If it turns out that this was a bioweapon released by China, then Trump is completely off the hook. 100%. And China is responsible. Now, to be fair, I think China's responsible. I think even if it emerged, you know, the, the main, if, even if the, the main narrative is the correct narrative, which I have no reason to doubt, it emerged in this, you know, food market or whatever. They lied. We know they lied. And we know they were hoarding materials. But now they're coming after Trump. Back in, I think it was February, uh, Business Insider ran this story talking about, you know, we, we can see here that the, the seafood market is very, very close. We have this right here. They say, Batao Zhao of the South China University of Technology previously worked in Wuhan in the paper. He suggests the killer coronavirus probably originated from a laboratory in Wuhan and was tracked out accidentally by an unsuspecting scientist. A branch office of the Wuhan CDC 
is located about 600 meters, less than half a mile from the Huanan market via main roads, though it's not the Chinese CDC's only site in Wuhan. So here we are. We've heard this before. Now that story, that study was retracted. I don't know if that means it was bad or not. It's true. The market is really close to the Wuhan CDC. Doesn't really mean anything. The, the real issue for me is, is about truth in media. With social media banning Dr. Yan, now she can't even engage. And that's a bad idea. You're going to create conspiracy theorists. The other, the other issue I had when I was reading this is like, why wouldn't we just trust her? Why wouldn't we say that's a whistleblower? I mean, think about it. You got these other scientists who work at these universities saying she's lying. She's lying. Yeah, well, she's a whistleblower. They're not. Get it? That means if they knew, they're not telling you. That's what a whistleblower is. Doesn't mean you blindly trust whistleblowers. It just means if I'm going to take the word of Peter Strzok that Donald Trump is working for Russia, why would I ignore this doctor? And therein lies the bias of the media and how they frame things. They call everything Dr. Yan said unsubstantiated. Unsub- well, she put out a paper. Is that good enough? Look, let me be honest. I do not believe the coronavirus was a bioweapon. I really don't. Um, and and, and, and I'm, I'm open to all of the possibilities, but I need hard evidence. For now, I think the simple solution is, 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 is I think it, China pollutes like crazy. They have horrible human rights, uh, human rights records, horrible living conditions. Not every single person in China, but many people are living in serious poverty. And, and poverty exists everywhere. Look, in San Francisco, we got poop all over the street. And we have typhus breaking out in LA because of the homeless. It happens here too. If we can see this in California, why couldn't we see it in China? China pollutes like crazy. And they, would, they lied about it and let it spread because they don't care. That, to me, makes a ton of sense. I don't need to believe some theory or uh, an individual whistleblower that China did it on purpose. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. If there's one paper out now, it's hard to know what's, what's, what's true. It really, really is. Because we're going to get a ton of mainstream media saying it's not true, it's unsubstantiated. And, I, and I'm, I'm just going to be like, has anyone substantiated anything else? Here's how it works. I look to the news and what do I see? A handful of scientists saying this looks like it was a natural evolution. These things happen. I say, well, that's true. Then I see this doctor putting out, putting out her paper with, with a couple others saying man-made. I say, okay, well, we have this study. Do I have any other studies? No. Well, then what am I supposed to believe? I'm sorry. I defer to the simple solution. Probably emerged in unsanitary conditions, and it is China's fault. It doesn't need to be a grand conspiracy. In fact, the negligence is worse. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pre- pretend that China has any control over what they're doing. I think that the Communist Party is 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 so unable to actually function properly. They're putting people in concentration camps. That's not efficient. It causes problems. But it's the only thing they know how to do because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to do anything. So when you have poor living conditions and people, you know, with with crazy animals in a wet market and a virus emerges, I'm going to be like, yep, sounds like China because they have a crappy government. There's an argument that the 1918 uh, flu, Spanish flu actually originated in China. And that's why they didn't have a particularly bad flu season. They all kind of got it. Then they had partial immunity. It mutated, traveled around, reached the U.S. and Europe combined with World War One is extremely bad. And then when it made it back to China, people already had partial immunity to it. 
I think that's just the simple solution, man. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel, and I will see you all then. Bill Barr is done playing games. He is now recommending sedition charges against Antifa. No joke. The Wall Street Journal reports Barr tells prosecutors to consider charging violent protesters with sedition. To bring a sedition case, prosecutors would have to prove there was a conspiracy to attack government agents or officials that pose an imminent danger. Now, if I, if I were to tell you that we were, we were like inching closer towards civil war, would you believe me now? How many leftists do you think they're going to, they're going to sit back and go like, oh, well, you know, sedition charges, or are they going to freak out and say no? But is Bill Barr wrong? That's the other crazy thing. I don't think he is. It's really funny when I'm the milk toast fence sitter and they want to call me the conspiracy guy. I'm like, I'm reading the Wall Street Journal, dude. If Bill Barr starts bringing about sedition charges, if it even happens, okay, first and foremost, if, and again, I think we're inching in that direction, the left will freak out and say, this is it. This is the fascism. In fact, they're probably saying it already. Let me ask a question. Do the uh, far leftists who are riding hate America? Check. Are they coordinating actions to cause harm to this to the U.S. government and to attack its agents? Check. So uh, are they committing sedition? Well, I'm not a lawyer. Maybe. Let's read. Attorney General William Barr told the nation's federal prosecutors to be aggressive when charging violent demonstrators with crimes, including potentially prosecuting them for plotting to overthrow the U.S. government. People familiar with the conversation said. In a conference call with U.S. attorneys across the country last week, Mr. Barr warned that sometimes violent demonstrations across the U.S. could worsen as the November presidential election approaches. He encouraged the prosecutors to seek a number of federal charges, including under a rarely used sedition law, even when state charges could apply, the people said. The call underscores the priority Mr. Barr has given to prosecuting crimes connected to months of protests against racial injustice that have at times become violent and led to major property damage. As President Trump has made a broader crackdown on violence accompanying the demonstrations, a key campaign issue, U.S. attorneys have broad discretion in what charges they bring. Federal prosecutors have charged more than 200 people with violent crimes related to the protests, riots, most of whom face counts of arson, assaulting federal officers or gun crimes. FBI officials earlier this year prescribed the perpetrators as largely opportunistic individuals taking advantage of the protests. In more recent months, police officials say they are alarmed by the presence of armed fringe groups from both sides of the political spectrum. You know, I'm not completely convinced Donald Trump will win. Uh, And I go back and forth on this and a lot of people don't like that I do. But what do you want me to do? Information changes and things have been flipping back and forth. But I've seen some articles and I just got to say, I really don't know. I'm not I'm not convinced it's going to be a hardcore landslide, but there are, you know, various stories that can emerge. But I want to show you one reason why you should be concerned. You should be worried. And I'll bring you to this GoFundMe. Help BSU's Allie Cat Patterson. Why Allie Cat? She raised forty seven thousand dollars of a fifty thousand dollar goal on her GoFundMe one day ago. And you know who Allie Cat is? Why? She is a woman arrested for arson. So I think about money. Donald Trump has raised a lot of money. Joe Biden's raised a lot of money too. Black Lives Matter's raised a lot of money. And these individuals raise a lot of money. 
Does uh, Trump doesn't seem to have that combined effort. Now, it, it could be an issue of organizational power. Like I've said, the right does not have it. They don't. The left, they organ- organize protests faster, better, more effectively. And that's why the far left is dominating. Uh, the, 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 uh, their narrative dominates major corporations and sports broadcasts, even though it hurts these companies because they organize better. How do you get someone fired from their job? Well, they'll put out a tweet. Everybody email this company. It works. The right doesn't do that. So it could be come November, conservatives all go and vote and regular Americans all go and vote. And then Donald Trump wins. The money that they're raising may come from a fringe faction of diehard zealots. But Trump has his strong base, too. Where's the fundraising for Trump supporters? I've seen some right wing fundraisers. They don't make any money. And, of, and, and, and aside from that, GoFundMe bans half of them. So when I see this, BSU's Alley Cat Patterson. Now, I don't know if she actually committed the crime, innocent until proven guilty. But being able to raise $47,000 in one day is substantial. How about this bail and legal fees for Taylor Enterline one day ago, $24,000 and help Black Lives Matter and trans activist Alexa W, who was arrested with Alley Cat, 10521 Free Beacon says the president of Pennsylvania's Franklin and Marshall College is helping raise money for a student arrested during riots in Lancaster, PA, and charged with arson, among other felonies. Facing pressure from the student body to speak out in favor of junior Cat Patterson, University President Barbara Altman took to social media to thank students for creating a GoFundMe for Patterson and wrote that many of us in our community will be contributing. That's right. The far left can commit arson, violent crimes. GoFundMe allows this. But uh, not Kyle Rittenhouse. He's not accused of any crime or even a hate crime. No, they'll, they'll ban him. They'll ban the right in two seconds. The left is better organized. This may be the last bastion, the last the last fight the right has, period. And that's why I feel like when I see Bill Barr talk about sedition, I'm like, you know what, man? I don't care if people think it's crazy. Civil war. Let's 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 just break it down for a second. No, there's not going to be two big marching armies going boop, boop, boop at each other in the fields. And it's not necessarily even going to be, you know, the, the specific factions with names. It could be a coup. It could be over in a day. It could be over in a week. We are going through a, a, a period of cold civil war. And that's not I, I was a Princeton professor who said that, not me. And I believe it was a, an anti-Trump Princeton professor. But what I think may happen is we are coming to a point where there are extreme divergent worldviews on America. It is inherently evil and racist. And well, America's great. <laughs> Arrest these people for sedition. I think if you stay on the path of an American citizen, the one that we've been on for a long time, you'd probably side with Bill Barr and say the people who are seeking to overthrow the government and burn it all down are committing sedition. They lie. They say they have the right to do it. You don't have a right to commit sedition. Sorry. Whether or not you can actually get sedition on this, I don't know, but we're getting dangerously close. Anyway, here's what I think is going to happen. As of right now, you can see that this individual went out and committed or or is accused, arrested for committing extreme acts, uh, extreme acts. And was defended, apparently defended by the uh, by the, uh, the president of the college. Wow, because in their world, they are just in Bill Barr's world. He is just and these two worlds cannot coexist. So there will come a point sometime after this election, if the Democrats win, 
then you're going to see a lot of right wingers have to then accept that arson is allowed by these people, but not you, the religion, the cathedral. They're allowed to burn things down and attack you at your home. You see the video I talked about this morning, my first segment, where they showed up to a guy's house and then he got arrested. Are you going to live in that world? Will there be an actual resistance if the authoritarians take over? What, what, what about the inverse? What happens if uh, Trump wins re-election? Bill Barr says it's sedition time and starts rounding up these people, arresting them and charging them. Do you think the left will just sit back or do you think the resistance, la resistance, will actually become an armed resistance? I don't see a way out of this. And it's funny because people are like, every four years they say it's the most important election. I've heard it all before. (laughs) Yeah, you heard it all before. Except now we're at a point with months of, of violence, a pandemic, looting, rioting, arson, endless media coverage. There's never been a time like this in American history, at least according to several different historians. I look at the, the, the fundraising capabilities, the organizational power of the left, and I say that is a major disadvantage the right, uh, a disadvantage for the right, is an advantage for the left. And I think about it this way. If come election day, we get results from various outlets, Trump won, no Biden won. What does it matter? There's just going to be a complete fracture. What will the Secret Service decide to do? Who will tell them who won? I mean, Trump's still president. So imagine he would say, that's not true. Here's the source. I won. And he still has until January 20th. He'll still be president. So what will he do and what will happen? I don't know. But sedition's a bold charge. Bill Barr ain't playing around anymore. But these people aren't playing around either. A lot of people like to joke that they're weak, and a lot of them are weak. But there's still groups on the far left that are armed and preparing. I think the right is going to be better prepared and more brutal. Noam Chomsky says so. He agrees. And that's a big mistake the left is making. He said, when you enter the arena of violence, the more brutal guy wins. And that's not us. It's definitely not. But there is a certain faction of the left that is the most brutal, unhinged, deranged, violent lunatics. They, they worship Robespierre. They want to chop everyone's heads off. Yeah, they're nuts. I don't know exactly what will happen come November, but I'll tell you this. I highlight these fundraisers not to assign guilt to these people. I don't know if they're guilty of any crimes. They've been arrested for them and they have a right to defense that I understand. I'm highlighting that the left has organizational power. The right does not. So if you think the right's going to march out there and just make a clean sweep and just shut this down, you're wrong. It could be something as simple as come election night. Nobody knows who won. Both Trump and Biden claim they won. And then one Secret Service agent just turns to Trump and says, sir, no. Or come January 20th, Trump says, I won. And one Secret Service agent just says no and pulls him out. And all the other guys are like, I I don't know. I don't know, I guess. And that's it. People don't realize, man, you don't live in this magical world of hard, rigid rules. Life is not a computer program. Trump could walk out of the White House right now, get in a dune buggy and just drive away, never to be seen again if he really wanted to. And I understand most people think, think that'll never happen. Why not? It could, it could physically happen. People put too much faith. They overestimate, overestimate how the system functions. It is delicate. Who knows what we're going to see? Maybe we'll just see the, the, the right win and Bill Barr goes and arrests all of these anti-American people and we get massive use of uh, sedition, uh, sedition act or sedition charges. We'll see, man. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Oh, the Babylon Bee, just the funniest satirical outlet. Look at this story. It's so silly. 
CNN criticizes Israel, Arab leaders for shaking hands in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> it's just hilarious. I mean, CNN wouldn't do that. Look at this. They got a fake image. White House disaster. Trump, Middle East leaders ignore social distancing. The Babylon Bee is just the funniest fake news website. It's satire. It's not supposed to be real. You know, you know, you know. CNN shames Trump's large crowd, little social social distancing at White House event marking historic Mideast peace deal. Come on. Are you kidding me? It's not even been a day. Give the Babylon Bee a couple hours. I can't believe it. <laughs> I don't know who wrote the story first, but I'm sorry, Babylon B. You wrote real news. You wrote real news. And I think I think we should all come and uh, have some criticism for the Babylon B for writing real news. I mean, the Babylon B, you writing real news would be akin to CNN writing fake news, you see? And when CNN writes fake news, well, I criticize them. So I'm sorry. I've got to criticize satirical news website Babylon B for publishing real news. Oh, the real news always trying to talk about what's actually happening. They actually, <laughs> it's truly amazing. Now, it is still a joke article with fake quotes. They say the ceremony erupted into chaos and, and peace talks collapsed after an argument arose over the pronunciation of Jeff. Now, the founder, the guy who invented it, said it's pronounced Jeff. Anyway, Here's Fox News reporting. CNN appeared to bury the lead by sounding the alarm on the large crowd and little social distancing at the White House event commemorating the historic peace deal between Israel, the UAE and Bahrain. On Tuesday, President Trump was joined by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, UAE Foreign Minister Abdullah bin Zayed Al-Nayan and Bahrain Foreign Minister Khalid bin Ahmed Al-Khalif to sign the Abraham Accords, something the president hailed as the dawn of a new Middle East. However, CNN's coverage of the event was less focused on the groundbreaking peace, uh, peace agreement and instead shamed the White House for, for White House for holding such an event amid a pandemic. <laughs> I'd like you all to just absorb this for a few moments. The Babylon Bee, they've synchronized fate like we're in a simulation, aren't we? You know, what I mean? it, it, this, this can't be real. You know, people have the clown world meme. That, the, that, that, that what's happening is just so absurd, certainly. Uh, the, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't even talk. That what's happening is so absurd that certainly this whole uh, political world, our news cycle is being written by clowns. It's a joke, isn't it? During the network's 3 p.m. program, CNN anchor Brooke Baldwin accused the president of denying the science of coronavirus, citing the over 195,000 deaths and the over 6.5 million cases in the U.S. She later negatively emphasized the hundreds of people that attended the outdoor White House event and knocked the president for holding a packed indoor campaign event in Arizona. <laughs> Baldwin highlighted that these events have taken place following the released recordings of Trump's interviews with Bob Woodward, who in the early months of the pandemic spoke about the dangers of the virus with veteran journalists while striking a different tone publicly at the time. I want to address something there. The Wall Street Journal had a really uh, uh, has a good article about this where they talk about context being stripped. Uh, and what that means is when we talk about a quote being pulled out of context, most people think it means if I said I had this one guy come to me, right? And he said he didn't like chocolate ice cream or, or uh, I'm sorry, 
That was I just messed it up. A guy came to me, right? And he said, I don't like chocolate ice cream. And I was like, whoa, what do you mean you don't like chocolate ice cream? You then clip out the quote, I don't like chocolate ice cream and make it seem like I'm saying it. That's typically what people mean when they say pulled out of context. There's another way to pull things out of context. You remove them from the time period of the news cycle. See, now that hindsight is 2020 and uh, everybody is, you know, knows about the dangers of COVID, when Trump was talking about COVID with Bob Woodward, he was telling Bob things everyone already knew. But see, now that we're in a different period, they can reframe it. Nobody knew. Trump was lying. Ah, and that's how it works. Let's read more. Baldwin later turned to CNN White House correspondent Caitlin Collins, who was accompanied by an on-air graphic that read, Trump holds White House event with large crowd, little social distancing. Is this, this is real? I just can't believe it's real because I have the Babylon Bee with the, with the egg, the, look at that. Wait, what? Trump Middle East. <laughs> Babylon Bee wrote real news. I think we should all tweet, tweet to the Babylon Bee and let them know you're outraged that they've published real news and they've got to get fake fact checkers to make sure their articles are fake before publishing. I mean, could you believe the embarrassment for the editors of the Babylon Bee? Collins reported that there were more masks at this event than previous ones, but called foreign delegations, but credited foreign delegations who wanted to adhere to stricter protocols. She noted that many top officials who attended the event were, were seen not wearing masks, including Attorney General William Barr, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, and Coronavirus Task Force member Dr. Scott Atlas. She went on to compare Israel's handling of the outbreak, which is relaunching a nationwide lockdown due to a resurgence of the virus, requiring Israelis to stay within 1,500 feet of their houses, stressing that the rules are much different for President Trump and his administration. It's a striking difference, isn't it? Now, I want to be fair. These articles were published on the same day. I don't know who published first because the Babylon Bee has the date, but not the time. So I'm not entirely sure. And the article published by uh, Fox, uh, Fox News about CNN was published about 20 hours before. So I'm recording this around like uh, around three or so p.m. So it's, you know, 7 p.m. last night ish. Am I getting my math right? It's very likely the Babylon Bee wrote their story first. So you know what? All right, I'll apologize. You guys wrote the fake news first. You're psychics, though. Go buy yourself some lottery tickets. You called it. The CNN anchor then welcomed Dr. Rob Davidson, who she billed as an emergency room physician without disclosing that he was previously a Democratic congressional candidate in 2018 to pile on the president, suggesting he doesn't care about the potential health risks from the White House event. CNN carried on its overly negative coronavirus focused tone toward the Abraham Accords signing throughout uh, its programming. Newsbusters managing editor uh, Curtis Hauk slammed the liberal network for downplaying what he described as a monumental achievement from the Trump administration, despite having debased itself as a as full of hypocrites when it comes to enforcing coronavirus pandemic guidelines. CNN doesn't actually care about the ethics, so they'll offer scoldings about who is and isn't wearing masks or socially distancing. And that's what they did today with decrying the Abraham Accords signing, Hauk told Fox News. Radio host Buck Sexton blasted the anti-Trump network in reaction to its on-air graphic that highlighted the lack of social distancing. Look, it's there. <clears throat> Hacks at CNN. No mention of Middle East peace. White House event with large crowd, little social distancing. As if that's what any of us cared about. I mean, I guess they do. Whatever. 
Once again, CNN manages to be the worst news network, but the best comedy channel, Sexton wrote. Even the conservative satirical website, the Babylon Bee, had some fun at the expense of CNN running the headline. CNN criticizes Israel Arab leaders for shaking hands in the middle, in the middle of a pandemic. CNN has a history. But, but, but here's my question. Did the Babylon Bee write this in response to CNN? Because if they did, is that the joke? They're joking that they had to shake hands for the deal. If that was the case, I'd say it's not the best joke. But I think they just didn't realize that CNN was actually going to be doing this. Because I bring up Jim Acosta and other fake quotes. I don't know. Maybe that was the joke. Maybe the joke was that CNN literally was mocking, you know, the peace deal over social distancing. And so they added the handshaking thing. I kind of don't think that is the case, though. I wonder, because this was 526 p.m. September 15th when this when this was posted. I think it's possible that the Babylon Bee had the joke ready. They were going to be making fun of CNN. And then when the peace deal, you know, started, they published their piece earlier and didn't realize. But you know what? The big factor here is timing. So I guess I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll I will I will I will update and correct if it turns out that was the joke. OK, I say last month, CNN Tonight anchor Don Lemon used the Israel UAE peace deal to mock Trump after national security advisor Robert O'Brien suggested the president should be nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Wonder why he wants a Nobel Peace Prize so badly. Oh, you know who has one, right? Barack Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lemon's colleagues, Anderson Cooper and Chris Cuomo, avoided the subject altogether, as did their primetime competitors. Okay, okay. So I'll tell you what. If we want to get really specific, the headline from Babylon B is shaking hands. Uh, 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 uh. This image they posted, Trump Middle East leaders ignore social distancing. No, I don't think they realized. Babylon B, you published real news. Get some fake, some fake checkers, fake, fake checkers. Yeah, there you go. Babylon B needs to have fake checkers, making sure their articles aren't real. This isn't the first time either. The Babylon B, you guys are psychic. Go buy yourself some lottery tickets. I think it's funny. I think it's uh, uh, actually makes the Babylon B uh, satirical art- article even better because they they understand that like you can see exactly what CNN's doing and you know how absurd it is that you could predict their behavior and then they do it. Amazing. Good job, CNN. Bravo. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. You know, I knew this would happen. Joe Rogan said he wants to host this debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Four hours moderated. And that would be the greatest thing ever. It'd probably be the highest rated piece of content ever made at any point by anybody. And I want to see it. So tweet hashtag Joe must show and include Joe Biden must attend because Donald Trump has already agreed to do it. But anyway, I digress. I knew this was going to happen. The hit pieces, the smears. How do you avoid this? It's simple. You see, Donald Trump says, I'm down. I'm in for the Joe Rogan moderated debate. But Biden can't handle four hours sitting in a chair. You crazy? That dude's going to pass out. So how do you get him? So how do you how do you how do you create a circumstance or an excuse for Joe Biden so that he won't appear? Well, already we're starting to see it. Sonny Hostin slams misogynistic, racist, homophobic Joe Rogan after his offer to moderate debate. Oh, shut up. Joe is the most popular podcaster in the world, the biggest podcast in the world. His his downloads 
are greater than CNN, uh, CNN's uh, digital footprint. Well, actually, I think it might be comparable. We'll say comparable. Joe Rogan's total views from all his clips and everything, it's, 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 it's in the hundreds and hundreds of millions. His podcast alone does 200 million. So right now, we want to talk about how to do the debates. And wouldn't it make sense to put the debate on the most watched platform and medium, which would be the Joe Rogan podcast? It would, but they're not going to do it. And they need an excuse for Biden. Well, here it is. Joe Bowden, uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe Rogan, I combine their names. Joe Rogan is a bigot. And thus, Biden's probably going to be like, you know, well, we're going to do the thing. But, you know, Rogan and the, you know, transphobia or whatever over at Google. What do you see? There's a bunch of other whatever stories. But now one of the stories popping out, Caitlyn Jenner reacts to Joe Rogan's transphobic comments. The hit pieces are going to go crazy because the only way you get Joe Biden out of this is for Biden to say, I'd love to do it. But Rogan is controversial and many people find his comments offensive. So with all due respect, I'm going to decline. When in reality, it would be more like, I'm too tired. I need a prompter. I can barely stand. I mean, how's Joe Biden going to handle the debates as they as they are? He's, here's what's going to happen. Biden's going to be asleep. He's going to wake up like an hour before the before the show to get dressed and ready before the, the actual debates with the regular journalists. He's going to go up on stage then they're going to do their debate like two hours or whatever. I think it's two hours. And then he's going to go back to the car, wave, and then go back to sleep. And then he's going to sleep until the next debate. And that's exactly what he's going to sleep literally the whole time. Joe Rogan said four hours. Yeah, no joking around. And Trump would do it. So I'll tell you what, I'll take, I'll take Donald Trump and Joe Rogan one-on-one if that's all we can get. But I don't know, guys, we really got to make this happen. So what do we do? What do we do? Hashtag Joe must show. But let's read exactly what's going on. Rogan on Sunday offered to host the debate. We know, quote, I think President Trump has debased the office of the presidency. I think as a country, we have lost a sense of decorum. And I don't think a host like that should be someone who is given the honor. And I think it is an honor to host a presidential debate. Hostin said Tuesday, I am a traditionalist, as you know. I think that journalists should be hosting these debates. Oh, shut up, journalists. When you talk about a Joe Rogan, who has notably made misogynistic, racist, homophobic comments. That is someone that I have no interest in being given that kind of stage. Joe Rogan made racist comments. What did he say? What, 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 what did Joe Rogan say? What about you? What about everybody? Are we, are, we, are we playing cancel culture right now? I'll tell you what. Joe Rogan actually is in some capacity a journalist. He is. Joe wouldn't say he was because there's a, and, and, and who wants to at this point, to be honest. But a journalist is someone who collects and disseminates information. Was Larry King a journalist? Some would say yes. He interviewed people. Journalism, right? Well, journalists do interviews, but journalists do other things. Now we're trying to nitpick to figure out what the word means. I'll tell you this. You can say that Joe Rogan's not a journalist, and it's probably fair, because first and foremost, he's a comedian and fight commentator and podcast host. But he does do things that are journalistic. He interviews people and you get to uh, you, 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 you see what they believe and what they're doing. Of course, now the smears will be coming in. They say Rogan, who recently signed an exclusive deal with Spotify, reportedly earned 30 million dollars in revenue last year with 190 million downloads per month for the Joe Rogan Experience podcast on YouTube, where he currently has more than 9.5 million subscribers. Biden and Trump are scheduled to hold three debates in September and October with moderators already announced. 
fellow co-host Joy Behar said she wasn't aware of who Rogan was and offered an alternative venue for a fourth debate between Trump and Biden. The view, maybe we can do it, Behar said. The first official presidential debate is set for September 29th in Cleveland with Fox News Sunday anchor Chris Wallace moderating. Well, 190 million downloads per month. That's great. You know, I'm getting 100. Not, not to brag, but I will tell you this. Times are changing. I am sick and tired of the, the, the plastic media, the PR machine. And I think you are too. And it's probably why you watch content like mine, because I'm just a dude sitting in his room complaining on the internet. And that means a lot. It really does. I know it may be a, a, a downplaying what I do. And Joe does something similar when he calls himself dumb. He's like, I oh, don't look at me. I'm just some dumb guy. But Joe's actually really smart. And of course, I'm doing more than just complaining on the internet. I pull sources. I do a lot of fact checking. And yes, I make phone calls to get comments. I love it when they're like, does Tim Pool even do journalism? He didn't even do. I literally made a phone call today seeking comment from an organization. I do it not super often, but enough. So you can argue that uh, I don't do traditional boots on the ground journalism, but I'm fact checking every single day, pulling up sources and then giving my thoughts and opinions. It is a very different world today. Back in the day, you had the suit wearing stodgy man on TV saying today in news, a dog did a backflip and the crowd went wild, born 11. And that was it. Today, news is more personable, more authentic, more hearing from someone you know and trust. So I'll give you my opinions. I try to be fair. I have my biases. Everybody does. But I fact check. I do. And people want this. These stodgy debates are going to be a waste of time. You know, what's really amazing about the debates. You would you you should beg for a debate between with Joe, Joe Rogan moderating. You know why? Donald Trump in this format, it's going to be as uh, I believe it was Rogan who said this, watching Mike Tyson box a three-year-old. The kid's going to be going, ah, blah, 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 walking around, and, it, and Trump's going to be like, boom, 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 boom. And the guys and the baby's boom, flying over up in the air 20 feet, just explodes. For some reason, I have no idea why. Trump's going to say one thing, one thing to Biden. Excuse me, your staff, no, your staff bailed out the rioters. Joe Biden's America. And what's the debate host going to do? Well, Trump. Uh, now, maybe they're hoping th the reason they're going for this is because they want to stack the debate against Trump. The moderators are going to be like, Trump, you're lying. And whenever Biden talks, they're going to say, well, actually, no, I think Trump will mop the floor because regular people do not care for this, this, this broken plastic news anymore. So the moderator can say, actually, Trump, there were, you know, this many deaths. Trump's going to be like, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. You know why? You're putting an authentic Internet kind of personality, Trump, whether you, I don't mean authentic in the sense that he's always honest, because I don't think he is. I think authentic in his personality. He comes off as like someone who's actually being honest with you because he's just talking kind of like I am now. You take two plastic people going today. I will propose a new no. And then you get Donald Trump going, no, listen to me. I'm going to tell you guys about exactly what do you think the regular people watching that TV are going to be thinking? They're going to be thinking, this guy seems like he's just telling me it like it is. And they like that. The other guy seems like he's made of plastic and has no idea what he's talking about. That's why you need this to happen on the Joe Rogan experience. You need it to. And well, CNN ran this article. A Joe Rogan debate between Trump and Biden is just what we need. Wow. You see, maybe it can actually happen. This is from Alice Stewart, who writes, 
It was 60 years ago when tens of millions of Americans tuned in, uh, turned on the television for the uh, or radio to see JFK face off with president with Vice President Nixon in the nation's first first televised presidential debate. The assessment was that Kennedy won by looking tan and fit while Nixon looked like death warmed over. It was at that moment that presidential debates became a full contact electronic spectator sport. With that in mind, it should come as no surprise that there is a cur- there's current chatter about foul mouthed comedian and MMA commentator seeking to host a four hour presidential debate between Trump and Biden. That's right. Joe Rogan wants to do it. Voters would benefit from watching a debate before they cast a ballot. As unconventional as this particular one may sound and unlikely as it is to happen, it actually raises an important campaign conversation for three reasons. Early voting, expanding the electorate, encouraging critical thinking. That last one, that's it. I don't want to hear the plastic talking points. Trump, you have 30 seconds to respond, says Chris Wallace. Trump says, listen, we're going to do the best. We got a great immigration plan. It's coming up in a few, you know, in a couple days. I'll announce it. Thank you very much. And time. And, And then Trump will be saying something. Trump will be talking or even even Biden. Biden will be like, yo, look, look fat. Come on, man. You know the thing? I got a big plan. And he's going to have 10 seconds left. and goes, and here's the plan we're going to enact. It's going to be, that's time. That's so dumb. It's so dumb and archaic. It's about time you sit down and someone like Joe, who's a regular dude, looks at both of them and goes, yo, why is pot still illegal? And then they're just like, uh, and that's what I want to see. I want to see Donald Trump say in Biden's America, in Biden's violence. And then Joe's going to be like, but you're president. Just like a regular question, but you're president. And then Trump can give his answer. And then Biden will say, don't look at me. I'm not the president. He's the one that's happening under his watch. And Joe's going to be like, oh, good point. What's your response? Joe's going to ask questions. Regular people will probably get real questions. It'll be real. It will be real. Let's make it happen. Hashtag Joe must show. And make sure when you tweet the hashtag, you include Joe Biden must attend the debate with Trump hosted, moderated by Joe Rogan. I want to see it. Everybody wants to see it. We all want to see it. And I will. I will, We have to make it happen. All right. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thanks for, ha- for hanging out. And I will see you all then.